Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for your presence with us always. Speak into our hearts and minds, we pray, your words of truth and life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Jesus, the pioneer of a better faith. I suppose I chose that title because there's a great contrast between the kind of faith depicted in the first reading today from Ezekiel and the kind of faith that we see in the second reading, which is modelled by the, by the woman, but also by Jesus. So he's a pioneer of a better faith, and that's why we follow him. The relationship between Israel and Yahweh, the Lord, is seen as a love affair in the Old Testament, where the Lord breathes life into a stillborn Jerusalem, whom he commits to love as she grows. Ezekiel says, I bathed you with water and washed the blood from you. I made, or I made your beauty perfect. But as Israel grew, she trusted in her beauty and fame rather than in the provider of all things beautiful. Jerusalem had forgotten her first love, her Lord. And that's a context of the reading from Ezekiel. That Israel, as she grew, trusted in her fame and beauty, forgot that it was all about grace, forgot about humility, and things started to go wrong. But the scriptures are full of stories where faith can be found in foreign places and in difficult times, and in people considered by Israel as being far from God, people who were certainly not considered as beautiful. The truth declares this in the New Testament reading, where the woman is quoted as saying, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. In other words, the bread of life feeds all, all of creation. The foreign woman says to Jesus, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Jesus responds to such faith, for such faith arises when in the presence of Jesus, and as Mark's Gospel puts it, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Both of today's Bible passages are words about the relationship between God and people. One commentary said this about the two passages. Ezekiel 16 is a long drawn out metaphor for the relationship between God and Jerusalem, using the image of husband and wife primarily. As such, it is deeply rooted in the patriarchy of the time and the imbalance of power between the husband and wife. This is most obvious in the objectification of the female with Jerusalem personified as the wife. Never do we hear from the perspective of the wife, we are instead given solely the viewpoint of God as the husband. There is little in the way of mutuality between the two parties, despite the language of covenant. The bride is done to by the husband, taken care of, lavished with gifts, given status. And it's clear that whatever good the bride now has is a result of the husband's splendour. The wife is but a reflection of the husband. And all is well within that cultural setting until something befalls Jerusalem as the wife whether or not she had any part in the downfall 
be that invasion or illness or abuse at the hands of another, she will be blamed for it as it brings shame upon, upon, the, upon her own husband. So this horrifying depiction of a vengeful husband in verses 15 to 20 of Ezekiel 16 takes one's breath away at times. It sounds like an argument in a failing marriage over the kitchen table with pots and pans ready to be thrown. God's depiction in the metaphor can only make us question the images of God that we use. Is God a vengeful husband, or loving father, or both, or compassionate saviour? Which is why we always need to spend time with the person of Jesus to show us in human terms what the image of the invisible God looks like. Because Jesus is the pioneer of a better faith. Passages like these need to be approached prayerfully, asking God and Jesus to speak to us through the Word in the Spirit, for godliness or God-likeness to be revealed to us and in us. And the image of God in Jesus maybe isn't always perfect, as in today's New Testament story, as we'll see in a moment, but it's very human, it's very relatable. We can relate to it. Both of our readings in the scriptures today offer us ways to question our assumptions, how we recognise privilege either amongst ourselves or in others, how relationships are complex and need to be nurtured, and how sometimes there might be inequality or injustice amongst our relationships. Mark's Gospel brings this fascinating encounter between an undaunted Syrophoenician woman, a mother, who refuses to take Jesus' first dismissal of her request to heal her daughter. Jesus is depicted as being aloof and uncaring as he casts her request aside in favour of helping those of his own tribe. We might defend Jesus by arguing that he was exhausted and testy at having dealt with so many demands on his attention, but this mother would not relent. Perhaps we just see Jesus' human side here, which, like us all, has limitations on our capacity to deal with all that faces us at times. One rather suspects that when the Syrophoenician woman turns the tables on Jesus and his lack of generosity to her by reminding him of his message of abundance, that even in an exhausted state he would have smiled in recognition of her truth, telling truth-telling and reminder of the cost of following the way of the kingdom. But we could also read this moment as a time when the Syrophoenician woman learns from Jesus. In that moment entire, Jesus is the outsider and his people are in the minority. He's not in a position of power here, whereas he is on this woman's turf. Could Jesus have been appealing to a well-connected member of this Gentile community to give his poor followers a chance to let them feed ahead of the wealthy, privileged, devouring dogs of that society? Did he see original opportunity through this key person in our community? And if so, who are the key people in our communities who we need to pray for and connect with? One of the buzz words around church in these days is pioneering. We have pioneer ministers in post, 
and churches are encouraged to consider being pioneering in their vision and mission. Jesus might have been the first pioneer of this new faith, boldly going where others would dare to go, a pioneer of a better kind of faith compared to one which is self-serving. He's certainly teaching his followers something about mission in this everyday encounter, which becomes an opportunity for the kingdom of God to spread to new places, even though he maybe didn't deliberately go looking for that. Whether he did or not, it was clear that Jesus' vision and mission priority was the reign of God, announcing and proclaiming the kingdom of God in the way he lived and the words he spoke. In this kingdom, women and men, girls and boys are all treated with the same love and compassion. The outsider finds a place to call home, the deaf learn to hear words of life, and the speechless learn to speak in the language of grace. Everyone feeds from the same bread, and there's more than enough to go around. There isn't a place on earth that doesn't need that kind of word and that kind of pioneering, missional, loving service. And Jesus is with us still to lead us in the way. So come, we're in the guiding hands of the one who has done all things well. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us to show us a better faith, to show us one based on grace and truth, and loving service. Thank you for the joy that brings us. Help us to spend time with you on a daily basis and to know your will and to have the courage to follow you wherever that may take us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.